I want you to imagine this morning that you are this man, Job. You're quite a remarkable man. Or you are the godliest man of the day. Most important thing to you is your relationship to the only true and the only living God. You live in us. Probably not far from where of the Chaldees, but Abraham was called. You're blameless. You're an honest man. You're an upright man. You're upright in your dealings with God and you're upright with your dealings with man. Your word is considered your bond and the reason it is because you know and love the only true God. You know something of the fear of God reigning in your heart. You have a reverence for God, not born out of dread, but the kind of respect that a child has, not willing to grieve a loving parent. You dread doing anything wrong, and you have an absolute detestation of that which is evil. And because of that, like electricity, you have a positive and a negative in your life. You have a remarkable family. You've been blessed with seven sons and three daughters. And you're a prosperous man. And the reason for your prosperity is because you've known something of the remarkable smile of the living God. You're a real family man and you have such a concern for your own family that you would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all just in case your sons have sinned and by sinning curse God in their hearts. And you want to make sacrifices on their behalf and you love them dearly. And what you don't know is that you have a remarkable reference. And that reference is by none other than the God that you know and the God that you serve. And this is what the great God of heaven says of you to Satan. There is none like him on the earth. A blameless and an upright man one who fears God and shuns evil. Oh, to have a reference like that from the only true and the only living God. And Satan, unknown to you, says to God, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him? around his household and around all that he has on every side. You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. <coughs> but now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely, surely curse you to your face. face. And unknown to you, your great God says to Satan, All that he has is in your power. 
and he do not lay a hand on his person. And overnight, like many people in Turkey last Sunday night, and in Syria, everything is lost. And disaster strikes. God has been given permission to Satan to bring trouble upon you. Your sons and daughters are eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a messenger comes and tells you the oxen are ploughing and the donkey is feeding beside them. And you've lost them all. The Sabians have come and taken them all away. And not only that, they've killed your servants with the edge of a sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Suddenly someone else comes. If that's not bad enough. And they say the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And another person came. With more bad news, the Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels and took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. But then, what a sad message now came. Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. You'll absolutely got it. Whatever's happened, you get up, you shave your head, you tear your robe. What do you do? You worship God. In the midst of the most terrible and the most awful grief, and you know absolutely nothing of what has taken place between God and Satan, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And with heart breaking with grief, and tears in your eyes, and sorrow in your heart, you say that. And in all this, you did not sin. And in all this, you did not charge God with wrong. And unbeknown to you, there's another meeting between Satan and God. And God still gives you a wonderful reference. And God says, and still he holds fast his integrity. Although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan asked to give you another challenge. 
Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. And he will surely curse you to your face. And God says, behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. Suddenly, you look at your body. And if the loss of your loved ones isn't enough, you see painful boils from the sole of your foot to the crown of your head. What has become? What has become of me? I've lost everything, including my health. And you take a pot shirt with which to scrape yourself and you sit in the ashes. And just to add tribulation to tribulation, you have an unsympathetic wife. If ever in a situation you could look to your nearest and dearest and it is in a situation like this. She says to you, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God. Curse God and die. All those words from your loved one are like great arrows in your heart. You can't believe what you're hearing. And that's what Satan wants you to do. Unknown to you, that's what Satan wants you to do. To curse God. If ever you could think you could turn to your nearest and dearest, it would be in a situation like this. But no, you can't. And so it is, in all the midst of it, you see these three friends coming. They come and see you and they lift up their voices and they weep and they sprinkle dust on their heads toward heaven and they sit down with you on the ground seven days and no one spoke a word to you when they saw how terrible a state you were in you've lost everything including your health and your wealth And they see something of your terrible and your awful grief. And suddenly you begin to curse the day you were born. And you say, may the dead perish on which I was born and the night in which it was said a male child is conceived. May that day be darkness, may God above not seek it, nor the light shine upon it. May darkness and the shadow of death claim it. And you go on and you're perfectly open and you're perfectly honest. Verse 23, why is light given to a man whose way is hidden and whom God has hedged in? 
And the last verse in chapter 3, I'm not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. No man apart from the Lord Jesus could suffer like this. And these friends, they were so good at their doctrine, but awful in their application. And my friends, by way of application this morning, when we come across people who are in trouble, when we come across people who are in despair, we are to cut them some slack. It would have been wonderful if one of these so-called friends would have said to Joe, at the end of those seven days, we love you, Job. We do not pretend to, un pretend to understand what's happening, but we really love you. And we'll do whatever we can for you in the situation in which you're found. And there are times when people are in great grief and we just have to say, I want you to know I'm there for you. We have to sympathise. We must be there for them without pointing a finger. And if you have ever known real pain, you know that in pain you cannot always think clearly. And you know that often you and I have said things in poor health that we would never have said in good health. Someone has rightly said that grieving is the price you pay for love. And here was Job truly grieving paying the terrible price for love. And of course pain is nature's way of saying something's wrong. And in marriage, if your partner is suffering, then be the opposite of, of Job's wife. I'm there for you. And I'm there because I love you. And I'm there to see you through it. And therefore, as you look for a pastor, and the word pastor is the Latin word for shepherd. It's very interesting that in the English Standard Version, they use the word shepherd and they put pastor in the footnote in Ephesians 4. When Tyndale came to translate the word pastor, he used the word shepherd as well. And as you pray for a pastor, don't only look for a preacher, but a shepherd. One who could deal with people. Look at the Lord Jesus when he was here as a good shepherd. 
he was one of remarkable wisdom. And he was full of compassion. He didn't deal with people in a professional way. He wept over Jerusalem. He graciously dealt with Peter's denials. He knew people. He could deal with people. And always remember this, that one man can't have all the gifts. That's why you need an eldership. Therefore, don't just look for a good preacher. That's important. But one who will always be available as a shepherd. A bookish theologian will not do. We had a young man in our fellowship many years ago in South End. And he was a lovely guy. He was a bit eccentric. And I can remember going up and down the swimming pool with him. We used to swim together and we were discussing the strengths and weaknesses of Presbyterianism. What a great theme for a swimming pool. <laughs> well, one day I made a mistake and I said to him, Adrian, would you like to take a meeting one Sunday morning? I was always out to develop gift. Well, he took the booking and he came out that Sunday morning and had a pile of books that high. And he put them on the side of the pulpit. And he just kept quoting these books. Great intellectual it was. And I said to him afterwards, he said of the Lord Jesus that common people heard him gladly. But they've been able to hear you gladly this morning. I said it graciously. He took the point. And the next time we did a home Bible study group and he made it simple and plain. And he got the message. And he, he attached himself to one of the simplest men in our fellowship. And he made a friend of him and he got to know him and he, they used to play snooker together. And then this dear man went to the Free Church of Scotland College in Edinburgh and did become a Presbyterian. But there we are. And he went, even though I baptised him by immersion, and he went to America and the last I knew of him he was, he was teaching Hebrew and Greek in a seminary in the USA. Married an American girl. Pray for a shepherd. One who will know what it is to place his arms around you when you're in great need. One who at times will know what it is to have his shoulders soaked with tears. One who knows what it is will come and not make you dependent on him but dependent on the Lord Jesus. One who will be there for you in all your problems and in all your difficulties. And never be shocked by what you might hear. And never be critical. Maybe you've come here this morning and you're going through tough times. Remember this. 
Job confounded Satan and he glorified God. He would not curse God. And he would not listen to his wife on this occasion. He confounded Satan and he glorified God. And none of us would change would dare change places with Job, would we? And you may not know what God is doing. But let me say this too. Don't become self-absorbed in your troubles. Because when people become self-absorbed in their troubles, it's very difficult for anyone to break them out of it. I speak with some experience in this field. That situation is ultimately there because of God's permission. You must always remember that. That your times are in his hands. And you have a saviour in heaven who will not break the bruised reed or quench the smoking flax. And like Paul the Apostle, you may well have a thorn in the flesh to keep you humble and to know the all-sufficiency of his grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Listen to an old writer, James Smith. He was a contemporary of C.H. Spurgeon. Speaking, hope thou in God. I will hope in God. Expect him to be to you all a gracious and powerful God can be. Expect him to do all a loving Father, an infinite God can do. Hope for light in darkness. For relief in distress, for strength in weakness, for joy in sorrow, for deliverance when sinking beneath the wave, and for life in death. Hope for all you need, and for all God has promised. Hope thou in God, and in God alone. Hope because God has spoken because he is true and faithful and you cannot hope in vain. The foundation of your hope is laid in the blood of Jesus and the oath of God. Hope in God. And then we must as people be on the lookout for people who may be going through tough times. Look around the fellowship and all of us be shepherds and pray for a compassionate heart what these friends show they didn't really have. And don't expect someone to react to a situation in the same way in which you would react to a situation. That's why people get critical of others. They expect someone else to react in the same way in which they would. And that's where we can be tempted to be critical. Keep on the look. 
May I exercise today the ministry of an encouragement, not the ministry of discouragement. We read in Romans 15 that God is a God of encouragement. And so shall we be. Help people to look to him. To remind them that the Lord is ever with them, even though they might not feel him now. But look at how honest Job is. How honest he is. And we can be honest too in the midst of our troubles. He does not put on a front of piety. He's honest. If he put on a front of piety, he might think that people might think he's letting the side down. This man hurts so much. He wishes us were dead. And he says so. You look at the Psalms. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. And there are some people who have to really struggle with the remains of indwelling sin. And if you know that, then constantly cry to God for grace to overcome it. Block it when it comes into your mind. Have an antivirus device like you have on the computer to your mind. You think of the honesty even of the Lord Jesus. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. He knew what he was going to go through. Then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Although Job is prepared to argue with God, he is not prepared to write God off. He's not a modern agnostic. He's not a modern atheist. The problem of evil does not make him believe that God does not exist. And the problems of last Monday should not make us believe that God does not exist. Job's agonising is the agonising of a believer, not a sceptic. And we should cry out to God for Turkey and Syria, that through it all that we might see God mightily at work. God had a purpose in all this. And Job was doing a great work. He was proving Satan wrong. He would not curse God. On one occasion he even says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. When you don't feel him there, he's there for you. Trust him even though you don't feel him. You're in the middle of an earthquake. 
Buildings are tumbling around you. Trust him. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. In the church I was at at Chessington, there was a young man called Chris Pink. He was 27 years of age. And he's coming to the end of his PhD. And coming home from university one Sunday evening, his car skidded on black ice and he was instantly killed. I knew the guy well. His father had been an ex-wing commander in the RAF. And if there was a wedding in the church, his father would always use his fabulous car to be the chauffeur. A friend of mine went to see his father and mother after this terrible and awful tragedy. Didn't know what to say at the door. What should I say? What would you say in a situation like that? Dick Pink, who I knew well, opened the door. With sorrow and grief in his heart, he said, The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we sat down in absolute quietness, my friend said. And I just wanted to let him know that I was there for him and his wife. In the time of deepest sorrow. And you don't feel he's there. He ever is. If depression comes, he's ever there. And we don't have any pat answers, but we know that one day we shall know the reason why. But we are to be people who don't listen to the devil. We are to confound Satan and glorify God. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. You're not going to be drowned. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. Twenty years ago at Wattisham Chapel, on Saturday morning, Shirley Hawkins came into the kitchen of the manse where they lived and found her husband dead on the floor. He'd been taken home to glory. What she did, she got on her knees and she bowed her head and she worshipped the Lord. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And after 20 years, they now have an under-shepherd, a man called Elisha from Gurney Road in Stratford. <coughs> if you'd have been at the death of Christ, and as I said a few weeks ago, you would have turned your face away because the suffering would have been so awful and so terrible. 
And you'd have heard that awful cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You may have been tempted to think, as some of them did, he's calling for Elijah. You may have been tempted to think after all that the Lord Jesus has done. And you may have known something about his remarkable life in raising the dead and healing the sick. His remarkable preaching. After all that he's done, at the time of his greatest need, he's forsaken of his God. you don't know that wouldn't know the whole story because there on Calvary he knew knew no sin was being made sin for us and the father could not turn his look at him because the Lord Jesus had sin imputed to him things aren't what they may appear And they are not what they might appear in your life and mine and even in Turkey and Syria today. Who knows what God is doing? Whatever was God doing, sending Joseph, allowing Joseph to be sent down into Egypt, God knew what he was doing. And God knew what he was doing in the life of Job and we see how wonderfully Job is restored. And we see the end of the story even though Job never knew as far as we know what went on in heaven. It's all a great mystery. But one day we will know the reason why. When we get home We must trust him and rest in him in all the changing scenes of life. We must be careful in our use of scripture, you know. (coughs) We must be very careful. Listen to Don Carson. Force or improper application of genuine truth may be heartless and cruel and as here it may say false things about God with his so-called friends we must be careful and we must always be gentle with people that are suffering but one day they will hear well done our good and faithful servant. As I've said before, when my brother was dying, 13 years ago nearly, some of the last words that he uttered as a man of 57 undergoing the most terrible suffering I've seen in this world, it's all about the glory of God. And as the Lord Jesus faced Calvary, he said, Father, glorify your name. And in the midst of all the sorrow and all the heartache and all the trials of life, Father, glorify your name. And we're there for each other when sorrows come. Job did not have a whole Bible. We do.
And we have such a remarkable picture in the whole Bible. And when troubles come, we must always remember that ultimately we are hardwired for eternity. That this world is not our home, that we are strangers and pilgrims. And that one day we shall be home in glory. And that one day there shall be a new heaven and a new earth. So if you're coming through a time of sorrow, and many of the Lord's people do, I pray, my friend, you'll look up and focus on Christ, the one that suffered more than any man, and make him your life. Be able to say with Paul the Apostle of old, ultimately for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. May God help us. Let us pray. (coughs) God in heaven, we know something about the one who is the end of the story, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, O God, that while we do not always understand what you're doing, we pray that we may be focused on you. May we never give way to atheism or agnosticism. May we be honest with you, yes, as Job was. We thank you that you can take it all. We can be honest with you. Lord, we thank you at the same time we have a man who ultimately is working his purposes out and conforming us to the image of his Son. May we each one know the ministry of encouragement day by day. Help us to be on the lookout.